Hello guys, today I caught up with professional footballer Tyler Garrett, who's played at multiple teams all over the country, from Bolton Wanderers to Doncaster Rovers, he's been at Stockport County, and he's just finished his loan spell at Wrexham. So today I wanted to speak to him about the National League and life living as a footballer. We cover relationships, um, mental health, and all sorts of things, so without further ado, I'll get into the interview right now. Let's go. Hello Tyler, how are we doing? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Keeping safe after this this whole uh, lockdown experience. Yeah, of course. That's what we've got to do. Good. So today we wanted to talk to you about um, your football career, how you got started and things like that. So if you can, in 30 seconds, kind of give us a little bit of a breakdown about who you are, who you played for and what you're doing now. All right. So obviously I'm Tyler Garrett. I'm 24 years old from Lincoln. That's where I started very first playing football. I moved over to Spain which is obviously where I met you. Uh, then I moved back to England, which is where I started playing professional. I went to Bolton, then I was at Doncaster, Wimbledon, Stockport, Wrexham. So you, you've done, yeah, it was 30 <laughs> seconds. That was quite good, actually. So, so you've been to quite a few clubs. And like you said, we, we met when we lived in Spain and we went to school together. Um, and that's where I first met you. And then you, you've turned professional since then. Within that kind of year that I met you is when it started yeah. getting a bit serious for you. So, kind of, if you can talk to me about how you got started before I met you. So, like, you, you mentioned that you started at Lincoln when you was a kid. What made you get into football? Like, why, why did you go down that route? So, basically, I was at primary school and just knocking around on the playground with your mates, playing football, throwing the ball around. And my mate's dad was like, oh, we should come down to our, our team, like, training. So, I was like, yeah, why not? Went down. And ever since then, I was like, yeah, this is... Like, this is what I want to do. So then I sort of, about nine years old, Lincoln asked me to go down. I didn't really want to go because I was enjoying it, playing my mates. Then they came again the next year. I was like, right, I'll go now. So obviously I did that. And it came to like the decision where my family were going to move to Spain, which at the time I was going to stay in England. But then I actually went to Spain. And then, yeah, as soon as I got to school, found a lad who played football team, didn't even say hello. He said, where can I play football? He said, oh, I've got a team come down as an English team. So. Oh, really? And that's, what were they called? In Spain? Yeah, in Spain. Costa Unida. Costa Unida. So, I always forget the name of that one, but yeah, I remember. Because yeah. you, obviously, when, when we were in Spain, um, we we kind of, we got up to all sorts of things. And, and you were you were probably the one out of all our mates that you almost had a career that was almost guaranteed for you like you you were the one that was working towards something you had, I know you had a lot of pressure at the time from your mum like she wanted to make sure that you were kind of taking the right path and you she wanted you to focus on your football and stuff like that so you were the one that kind of knew where you were going you had this life plan where the rest of us didn't really have a clue what we were going to do after school so um what at that club that you joined in Spain, like, what made you stand out compared to the others? Because I know there was a lot of good footballers there. Um, some of them had like professional players as dads and stuff like that, didn't they? So yeah, yeah, it was a lot. Why, why did you end up getting signed for Bolton when other people didn't? Uh, I don't think it's one of them where it's, it's opinions. Opinions in football is massive. If you catch the eye from the right person, then you're in the chance, I mean... At that team, it wasn't as if it was just any team. I mean, the owner of our team was an ex-footballer who worked in England for Bolton. That's why I went over. And then the coach of our team as well was Brian Tinian, who's like played for Newcastle in the Premiership and everything. So we had the right coaching. I think when you see that, that pushes you. It makes you want to be better. Like, I mean, I was training with the older team. And 
seeing them and managed to keep up with them in the running, it makes you think I'm in I'm in a real chance here. If I can knuckle down and carry on, then I can go places. And luckily enough, I got my trial at Bolton, managed to get offered a contract. But even the the owner said to me after, he said, listen, I brought you back for experience. I really wasn't expecting you to be offered anything. So really well done for getting that. So from that, it made me think, oh, I've got a shot at this. I can really make something out of this. And how how did you feel when you got when you got offered that, especially Bolton being such a huge club? What what did you feel, and how did you explain it to your parents and stuff like that? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was very surreal. The, we went over for a week's trial. Obviously, my mum came with me, and straight away we were put in the hotel on the stadium, which was our room was overlooking the pitch. So every morning I was waking up and going to training. The first thing I was seeing was Bottom Wanderers football pitch, which at the time there is a championship, which is a massive club. Mm-hmm. So to, to train every day and not have to do schoolwork, that's, that's any young kid's dream who wants to play football. Of course, yeah. And from kind of when when you first went to meet the team, I'm guessing that was your first like professional, you were getting paid for it, so you were a professional. And how old were you, like 16, 17? Yeah, you? it would have been mm-hmm. 16. I started my two-year scholarship. Yeah, so you, you were getting paid there and you you had to move to England by yourself and you were living with... I was going to say a strange family, but a stranger family. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, how how did that make you feel? Were you scared? Were you excited? Like, what, what uh, were you feeling? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, the first few weeks when it's all new to you, so you sort of you're a little bit on edge. Like, like you said, effectively, it was a strange family. I know, like, I mean, I lived there for three years, so now I do class them as family. Like, still speak to them now to this day. Mm-hmm. So that side of it was scary, but they made me feel at home straight away. Mm-hmm. And then the rest was just like it's effective if you're playing with your mates, but you're getting paid for it. Mm. So I know I touched on it a minute ago about kind of when you, when we before you went to Bolton, you were the one that had um, like a career path set for you. We all we all knew you was going to be a footballer. Like we all knew it was going to happen, whether Bolton signed you or whether it was someone else. We we all knew it was going to happen. So what sacrifices would you say that you had to make then as a child, and what sacrifices are you still making now? to be a professional footballer? I think the main one throughout any age is what you can like drink and eat and stuff like that. I mean, what at the time that we were in Spain, we were probably just hitting the age where you're allowed to go out and drink. So, you know, yourself, we'd go out most weekends and like be with our mates down the port and stuff like that. So knowing myself that I had to watch, not watch while I was drinking, but take a bit more care. Mm. So that's always followed me around or if there's ever been any trouble when people have been out knowing to be away from it or avoid it but even to this day drinking and stuff if there's any family dues and well i'll always be the designated driver mm-hmm. so there's never i'll have one drink or two but so now it's almost got to the point where it's not i don't want to go out drinking it's i'm not that fussed about it anymore and do you, do you feel like all your friends like that you've been out with in the past and, and see now they respect it. I know from my point of view, when we've been out over the years and stuff like that, I've always known like, if you're there, we have to be more cautious and make sure there is no trouble. Where, like, in fairness, it's always a better night. We have a better time because you, you know what it's like when lads are out and they've had a drink. Like, trouble just no, happens. Yeah, no, they're like you say. I mean, all of my friends do respect that, and if they don't, then they're the people who I'm effectively not friends with anymore. Mm-hmm. So people know that the sacrifice I have to give up, so they sort of respect that. If we're out, like you said, if there's trouble, it's not t- doesn't tend to be around us because we're avoiding it, or well, we're always on our best behaviour anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I I I've got a fond memory of um, when we must have been about sixteen, 
So it was just before you moved back to Spain and I, I decided to buy a, a motorbike <laughs> and uh, you had like a big farmland up by your house and uh, we, we thought it'd be great fun. We only had one helmet on this mo <laughs> motorbike and I remember we, we went out and like the next thing we hear is your mum screaming at us, telling us to get in because you weren't allowed <laughs> on yeah. the bike because she was scared about you getting injured. So I guess there's, there's a lot of things like that that you kind of yeah, have to be careful course. about. I mean, there's loads of things you're not allowed to like. We went on a school trip skiing, didn't we? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure skiing and snowboarding is probably frowned upon because at the end of the day, all it takes is one slip mm. and you can break a leg or anything that effectively is going to stop your career. So there is a lot of things you have to think, well, actually, I can't do that. So you have to just watch or just not do it. So do you, like, do you, does it affect you when you see, like, these, these Premier League footballers? I know it's happened a lot, like, during the lockdown and stuff like that, where they're going to parties and they're, they're hiring hookers, like, they're getting smashed up. Like, do you think, like, is it annoying for you that sacrifice so much, whereas they've got it all and they're almost taking advantage of it and they're, like, out and doing all these stupid things and, and essentially getting away with it? Yeah, I think it's about realising, like, they should realise by now that, well, they obviously do, that they've got everything. They've got everything that they need. Whereas maybe people, maybe like myself, who are in the lower league, are still giving up them sacrifices to this day to try and achieve what they are achieving. Like We're probably not even getting paid a fraction of what they're getting mm -hmm. paid. And we're, don't get me wrong, I'm sure when they're training, they're working as hard as they can. But so are we. But then off the pitch, when you see things, little things, and you think, come on, like, mm. you know you know that you're in the spotlight, so that is gonna, that's going to affect how people look at you. 100%. I mean, I, from being friends with you, I've always had like quite a defensive point of view when it comes to footballers because you know that every mum out there, every, everybody out there has got their own opinion on footballers and they the first thing they always say, oh, they get paid too much money. And I think the, the whole thing with like the coronavirus that's happened um, and everybody saying, oh, these footballers are out there earning 80 grand a week when the NHS staff should be getting that. Now, I've kind of like always tried explaining to people, I said the football is a, is a business and it generates its own money. Like it has its own like world, basically, because like football tickets for most clubs. Now you're looking between anywhere between like 20 and 40 quid for like a cheap ticket. And if you're if you're getting 20,000 people in each club and then you've got people sponsoring kits, you've got people sponsoring the ground, you've got people sponsoring players there's so much money in football do you think like the players deserve to get paid what they get paid or do you think that money should be donated elsewhere i'm talking about the bigger clubs like yeah of course i think it's just it's how football is nowadays like it says it all you people are getting 50 million price tags on them and people are looking thinking well he's not worth that but in football terms that's how much it has grown like people are 300,000 pound a week and like I said, everybody says, well, that's obscene, like, you shouldn't be getting that. But that is what the current market is. If somebody comes up to you and says, we want to put you on £300,000 a week, you're not going to turn around and say, no, are you exactly. really? Effectively, that's your... If you want to donate, which don't get me wrong, loads of footballers donate. There's so many that will be not even seen that are donating or even helping the families out. You see so many young footballers who are on a top wage who are buying their families' houses or cars. Mm -hmm. So there is loads of people who do donate. I mean, that is just how football is today, the amount of money that does go around in the top leagues. And do you do you think it's ruined football or do you think it makes it good? I mean, I've I've always said that I would love, it would never work and you could never do it, but I would love football to change where they charge all clubs have a, a ticket price kind of like limit 
So they can only charge up to say like fifteen pound a ticket, no matter whether you're Man City or or Talk United, um, where every fan will pay like their ten pound a ticket. And if if you've got two hundred thousand fans or whatever you've got in your stadium, you're gonna be making a lot of money. But the the wages wouldn't be as big because you're not making as much money from it. So they could almost like um, bring football back to its roots by charging less in tickets, like the. The fans would have more access. I mean, when you watch like Man City play a game, the ground's never full. And I know there's there's thousands of kids out there that would love the opportunity to go and see Man City, but those empty seats are still got prices on them of like £80 a ticket. So if they could flog them tickets for £5 a ticket, fill the ground, it, it would make it a better experience for everyone. The atmosphere would be better for fans, the players and I just think like football has almost been ruined by money and it would be nice to see it get brought back to its roots. Um, don't really know where I was going with that, to be honest. I mean, you do see <laughs> in the lower leagues now, there is a lot of teams who do do cheap tickets for kids or, I don't know, anybody under the age of 16, if you're an adult, you can go in for free. So a lot of that is how lower league teams are filling the grounds. So I know they're not paying, but... For the advertisement side, if you're getting a full ground, whether you, if it can only hold three thousand, you're pulling three thousand out every week. Mm. And that's going to want to make people come back and pay. Like that's giving them and them the experience. But like I said, with Man City, they are unfortunately for whatever reason, which is probably the ticket pricing. There's not many people that are going to watch for the size of the stadium that they have. Exactly. I mean, we, you know, that I'm me, my dad, my brother, we're big Talkie United fans, and like. I used to go with my dad all the time. I have to pay for myself now, unfortunately. But when he used to pay for the three of us, I mean, like adult tickets were, I think over 16s is like £18 or something like that. Um, and I think a child's ticket's close to a tenner. So he was looking at a good like 50 quid ticket. As well. Food in there is extortion. So you're looking like the best part of like nearly 100 quid. Like by the time you've got in there, you've had something to eat, you've had a couple of drinks. Like, And that's just a home game. You think when people are going away. Yeah. Which is... It's crazy. So, like, if you were going to give advice to a young footballer, like a little kid that was in your position back when Lincoln were trying to scout you, what advice would you give them if, if they wanted to become a professional and, and do it full-time? Work hard, definitely. Uh, I think you've got to enjoy it. If you're not happy with what you're doing, then don't even bother trying to do it, because right? it's going to affect you either your performance or your happiness like in your head, your mental health. But definitely, you definitely got to enjoy it. Uh, work hard if that's what you really want to do. And you do everything you have to do. If you have to sacrifice, whatever you need to sacrifice, like we spoke about earlier, you have to do that. Like if you really believe that you can make it, then you go and do that. That's, that's, that's good. And if you were yourself, like I know that's that's if you were giving advice to somebody else now, but what advice would you give to yourself? Like have you made mistakes along the way that you wish you could change? Like what, what would you what advice would you give you to your ten year old self? Uh, it'd be very similar. I mean I feel like up to now I've gone and done what I was set out to. Maybe could have been a slightly higher level more consistently, but I think similar advice like just as long as you're still enjoying it and you're going to enjoy it, then I think that's the main thing for me. As long as you're enjoying what you're doing, otherwise I'll step away from it. Yeah. And I know, like, just then you, you touched on kind of like mental health and stuff like that. You know, you see a lot of these influencers and stuff like that on, and these famous people on 
for, for they're famous for whatever reasons and they're always moaning about their mental health because they're getting trolled online and stuff like that. I mean, I can only imagine it's it's a drop in the ocean compared to what footballers get because yeah, there's online trolls, but I feel like they don't have a they're nothing compared to football fans. Like football fans are not very nice no, people yeah. sometimes, especially if you're if you're not on their team. So how how do you kind of deal with the emotional side of football and the fans and the, the hatred towards you and things like that? Uh, I think for me, during a game, to be honest with you, it just completely zones out. Like, I mean, I remember my first game debut for Bolton, I, look, I didn't have time to get nervous because obviously somebody got a red card and I went on. But if I'd, I think if I'd have had, to, had the chance to sit there and it was like you're going on in 10 minutes, I'd be like, oh, getting a bit nervous. But because you literally just said, right, you're on. I got on and that was it. But so you, you just everything just zones out. But obviously online everything you get so many people who try and shoot you down. It's known how to deal with it. Whereas from from my side, I just think it's funny. So I just mm-hmm. laugh it off. Like I know a lot of people don't like going on Twitter and deliberately after games and looking and seeing. But for me, if I come across it, I just think it's funny. Like mm. and from they've got nothing better to do than try and abuse me than. Do you, th- do you think you've got quite a strong head on you then when it comes to like, negative comments and things like that? Because it's not it's not just the fans. You get it in in the press. Like there's like you said online. There's there's all these football groups. All teams have their like football fans forum and stuff like that. And they might not necessarily always be like deliberately troll like being horrible to you. But when they're saying, "Oh, Jimbo's so much better than Tyler," like j- does that make any difference to you, or do you not really care? I think in a way that. If anything, that's what motivates me. Like you, you you're not going to have everyone on your side all mm-hmm. the time. Of course, so yeah. if you can win over the majority of people, but like you said, if if something's saying that this person's better than me, then everyone's entitled to their opinion, and that's that's going to push me to think. Well, actually, if that's what you're thinking, mm-hmm. when we come back to next week and look at your comment, then it's going to go. Actually, I was wrong about that because I've worked on it and gone. It's motivating me. So that's that's like the the negative thoughts and how you deal with that now more the positive thoughts i know you kind of just touched on it when you said you made your debut for bolton and you kind of you just got chucked on the pitch without really thinking about it now you you gave me a similar experience for your debut at bolton because i remember i was i was at work i was working as an estate agent and i um i had a phone call from you in the morning i think it was and you were saying to me you were like i'm playing for the first team at bolton like i'm playing was it cardiff city yeah Yeah, you were like i think i'm playing kind i was like right sweet fucking left work, jumped in my car and I drove to Cardiff <laughs> and I got there halfway through the game. I think it was just before half time and um, I got escorted in by the like paramedics and I parked with all the ambulances and got let in in the back gates and I and I got there and for me it was it was great because I saw you come on and um, I had a group of Bolton fans behind me and they were all talking about you. They were kind of like, they didn't know who you were. You'd never played for them before, but they were all saying like, who's this, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if they had like a match program in front of them or something, but they were like, oh, that's Tyler Garrett. Like um, he's he's been doing this or he's been doing that. And they were talking about you, where you played and that sort of thing. So for me, that was like surreal hearing like about one of my best mates that's just, just gone on in front of thousands of people to play football. So how was that experience for you actually playing there? Yeah, it was... Obviously, it was surreal. I mean, it all happened so quickly. It was probably so on the Thursday before the game, the manager who was filling at the time came up to me and said, you do know you're travelling with us tomorrow, don't you? And I was like, oh, no, I didn't know. He's like, yeah, you're going to come along with us. 
to Cardiff. So I was like, went home, I obviously spoke to my mum and everyone, I was like, I'm going to travel with the first team for the first time. I was like, I probably won't be on the bench, but I'm going to be there with the first team. So, so we travelled from the Friday, got there to sing on the Friday night. <laughs> like, like, oh my God, gone bright red, thinking, wow, it's happening. I've still got that video, actually, so I'm going to put that yeah, on for you. <laughs> uh, it's not very good, just to let you know. Getting the feeling, want to leave this all behind, thought we were going strong. It came to Saturday, you read the team out, I was on the bench, which again, I never in a million years thought I was going to come on, so I was obviously doing everything properly, still prepared, right? Just out warming up, and then our left back got sent off after about half an hour. So as it was happening, he said to me, go warm up. So I was like, ran down the side of the ditch, literally got to the corner bag, like, right, you're going on. So I literally ran back, put my top on, and then before I knew it, I was on the pitch. So luckily the ball came to me straight away, so I could, it was just straight into the game, and I was like, right, okay, this is, this is how it's going to be, this is what I want to do. I mean, it didn't end great <laughs> for myself, giving away a penalty in the last, last minute, but I was devastated with that, but all the feedback I got was incredible, because we'd already been relegated, so mm. everybody was like, talking about it like, it's your first game, you played so well. All the fans, I was getting so many messages, tweets. So it was just surreal. It was a moment that I'll never forget. So it, I, I can't even imagine what that, that feeling was like. And I'm guessing you've had quite a few of them over your time. I mean, I know when you... We played, Don, played for Doncaster when you played um, against West Ham in the, um, the the cup match. I know you didn't play that time. You set... Um, you sat on the bench for that one, but I remember you phoning me up and you was quite excited. And I, again, I came up there at last minute and, and, and came up. And that was just being in that stadium and seeing you like down on the bench now. I know you weren't playing, but it was still such a like, strange feeling thinking like... Oh, the Arsenal game. Sorry. Oh, Arsenal. Doncaster, sorry, Arsenal, yeah, it wasn't yeah, West Ham. Yeah, yeah. No, was, yeah Doncaster, Arsenal, yeah. Again, yeah. though, yeah, that was... Like I said, I was on the bench, but that was just surreal. The amount of Doncaster fans that were there, I mean, obviously you were in the crowd, so yeah. you know that for that, but sitting on the bench hearing all that and even just being as close to all the Arsenal fans I, mean, I knew one of them from being at Bolton so Rob Holding I knew him anyway but just to see all the other big names like Alexis Sanchez playing for Arsenal so crazy Rob, so to be there and see all first hand was another unreal experience it, it was amazing I mean that was probably one of the first big games that I've been to like I said I'm a Torquay fan so we don't we don't get to see big players and for me like I said as well as being so over the moon for you when you played at Bolton Wanderers me and one of my best friends from school before I moved to Spain, Devon, uh, we were like obsessed with Emil Heskey when we were when we were like kids and we used to play in the playground and that. And uh, he was playing with you at Bolton, wasn't he? And yeah. the fact you you were on a team with Emil Heskey just amazed me. And like that that was such like a, a strange experience knowing that you were playing with him. And like from that, do you? I know you were you were probably one of the youngest in that Bolton squad, like. When you've been around all these teams, do you feel like you bond quite a lot with the players or do you not really have too much to do with them? Because like, as, as a football fan, I've never been involved in football. We don't know whether you interact a lot on like personal levels or if it's just kind of a job as if I was going to go and work in a supermarket. No, there is. I've been quite fortunate that the teams I've been at are very tight-knit, which I think the most successful teams are. So whether that we would had set stuff put on where we'd all go out for food or we'd all go bowling together. I mean, I know it'd be compulsory to go to, but nobody would have any issues. Everyone would be like, yeah, definitely, let's do it. Mm -hmm. So it's always nice. I think you get to know everyone a lot better 
through football and through the other side. So like you start to learn a little bit more about people's families. Mm-hmm. And obviously when you transfer onto the pitch, you know that everyone's got each other's back. Mm-hmm. You're all there to help each other and you want to succeed. Yeah. No, that's nice. And I think, like you said, with it, it, all the good teams are like that. I know from watching Torquay and my experience, like back in, I think, like 2011 and 12, we had a team that was just like that. You knew, you could see on the pitch that they were very like close and they all knew each other's families and, and things like that. And we, we went to do the playoffs at Wembley, like we went to Old Trafford and all these sort of things. And then we kind of had like a bit of a mix match of managers. We had after this, after that, um, players coming in from all over the place, didn't stay for very long and we got relegated twice in two years, I think it was. Um, and then last season, again, like we had a load of players coming from Bristol City and um, they all knew each other. They bonded with the Torquay lot loads and the Torquay players who were shit the season before, all of a sudden, I mean, Jamie Reid, I think you, you've played against him before. You've played at Torquay a few times. Like He was, like a couple of years ago, he was shy. And then last season, he was top goal scorer in the league. And he was just, he was like in, incredible. Um, so, like, I think, like you said, being close-knit with, with the other players definitely does have a, have a really good impact. So, with regards to you again, like, what would you say the toughest moment in football, like, your, your hardest moment has been, like, when you felt really down? I think it would have probably been a lot more recently. I mean, I'm not really one to get bad injuries and stuff but this summer just gone I dislocated my shoulder uh, whilst I was on trial at Lincoln City in a game against Nottingham Forest and obviously you're on trial so I didn't have a club so I was just going around doing trials and dislocated my shoulder during the game when I was having a really good game uh, which then set me back about nine weeks so I'm then not getting paid I'm having to obviously still got bills and everything I'm still human normal like everyone else I've got mm-hmm. stuff to pay so luckily, being from Lincoln, my brother, stepbrother works there as a physio. So they said to me, listen, you come and do all your treatment here, but you don't realise how much you miss it until it's not there. I mean, I know I was in with everyone every day, but everyone's going out training. Mm-hmm. There was a set few of us in the gym. Who were, I mean, I basically had one arm. I couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. So I was not really doing a lot whilst I was there, but it just hits you and you think, like, I'm going to get back from this. Like, I've got to find a football team that I can go straight into, play, and start building myself back up. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's, it's difficult. I mean, you see a lot of players, and when they get injured, not all of them come back from it, do they? I mean, like you said, like if you, if you happen to be at the end of your contract when you get injured, nobody wants to sign someone with one with one arm. Like, So it, it can have a really big impact. And I think, I, mean, I remember watching a, a programme about footballers um, a few years ago, and it was kind of like failed footballers who had been professional, like you said, got injured and... and they came out of football um, and like they, they were in like their late 20s and stuff like that. And it was kind of like they haven't worked a normal job for the last few years while all their friends and stuff have been. And they found it really hard to get a job. Like, does that ever worry you? Like, do you always worry about what's going to happen after football? Uh, not really. I think in that sense, I'm always dead positive. I mean, I know my partner, she's always like, well, you need to prepare for this, prepare for that. But in my head, I'm always thinking, no, that's fine, I'm going to succeed, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make enough money where we can happily retire when it comes to it and not have to worry. Yeah. that I mean, that's the aim of all footballers, isn't it? Oh, yeah, of course. That, that's what everybody aims to do. But if, if like, say, it, it was cut short now, do you think you could easily kind of fit into another job or do you think you would struggle to, to work an ordinary life? <laughs> uh, 
it's not even nice to think of. I mean, there's things that I am doing in terms of a little bit of coaching and want to start my own sort of team for kids. So there is, it would definitely have to still be involved in football and stuff that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So like so obviously coaching and that sort of thing. So I will be doing sort of badges to get into that, but that is the step I'll be looking to take if I just happen not to get into it. Well, I mean, obviously, our esteem is is a training company, so maybe we could we could do something to get you like badges in and stuff. Yeah, you to do. I know you've got to do it with FA and stuff, but with with regards to kind of like the struggles and stuff that footballers go through, I know I know you just mentioned your partner Chelsea. Um, you two are getting engaged, uh, getting married next year, isn't it? Year after. Year after. It's close enough. Um, do you think like? football has ever put any like major pressure on like the relationship like has it caused any upsets between you two uh, i wouldn't say major upsets i mean i'm so laid back and chilled so and i'm always like yeah that's like i'll get where i want to be like she's slightly different she's more like oh we need to push for this we need to push for this which it's hard when people haven't been around football i mean i know she's been together pretty much since i started playing professional so we've been mm-hmm. together the whole time so she's lived with it all and seen all the ups and downs but so she knows that's why when she's nagging mm-hmm. it's not nagging but yeah so it's it's for a reason like she is effectively in the lifestyle as well now so mm-hmm. our my income is our income she obviously she does work but effectively yeah so she doesn't have to i mean she she works now doesn't she but she didn't for a while so i i always find it quite a fascinating story about how you two ended up moving in together and stuff like that. You two, you two might not actually be together if it wasn't for football. Uh, so explain what happened when you two had to move in together because you, she moved in with you because of you moving to Doncaster just after you got together. So you were almost like forced into living with each other as soon as you, you got together, really. So what happens there? Like, tell us a story about how, how you moved in together. So what? Pretty much hit nail on the head. So obviously we were we were together whilst we were up here. So obviously I was living in Bolton at the time. She was in Preston, so I'd go and see her like most nights or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it came about I was moving to Doncaster. So I was like, so I sort of just said that, well, come with me. And obviously wasn't expecting that. You don't expect someone to go like, yeah straight away. After yeah, yeah. Long. And she was like, all right then. So obviously I think I stayed in a hotel for maybe a month or two whilst I was just sorting out where I was going to be living. And once we moved into the apartment, she, I mean, whilst I was at the hotel, she'd come down every weekend, like to the game or mm-hmm. to see me and that. And then once we moved into the apartment, she came straight over. So then for like, that is pretty much we've been together four years, about last week or something. Mm-hmm. So for the whole four years, we have effectively lived together. And do you think, like, I know obviously we spoke about your like, mental health when it comes to that side of things. Do you think it affects her much that I know when not so much anymore because you, you're playing close to home, but when you were at loan on uh, to Eastley, I think you were playing for. Obviously, you were living at the other end of the country, and you didn't see each other that often. She always has to deal with you being away for away games and stuff like that. Do you think she gets bored, especially when she wasn't working? Like, do you think it had much of an impact on her? Do you think she likes it? I think it's very stressful. I mean, nobody wants to be the person who's always going on loan, or at least if you are then you want to be close. I mean, the loans I've been on all happen to be miles away, so obviously I was yeah. going to to Eastleigh, which is not ideal, but I was in a, and I was in a shared housing. So 
her to come down, we'd have to maybe go and stay in a hotel, which the club would they good. They sort of say like, listen, if, she, if she's going to come down, let us know, and we'll pay for a hotel. So I should do that now and again. But obviously, it's like you say, it's a long way to go just down, come down for the weekend, and mm-hmm. the stress that it put on for both of us. I mean, once you when you've been living together for so long, to then not be together in different gaps, it does put stress. Maybe not on the relationship, but you can tell that your person's getting stressed with what's yeah. going on. So you, you've done quite well to kind of like battle through it because although you say that you, you haven't really had any major issues, I think that's because you two have dealt with it quite well because I think a lot of, like if I talk about like my previous relationships, I think if I was like living that far away and I didn't see that, they might not take it so well. So I think she's kind of coped with it like quite well and that's obviously why why you two have why you two are getting married like soon. Right. So you, you've, you've done a good job to stay well. So... With going back to playing football, and I know I mentioned like how I used to be obsessed with Emil Heskey, and like, it was amazing to see you play with him and that. Do you have a favourite player that you've played against? Against? Yeah. Favourite player or best? Best. Best player. Yeah. Well, we'll do both. We'll say best player and then somebody that maybe you used to be a fan of when you were younger that you might have played against him. Uh, I think maybe the favourite player to play against was probably probably the last game for Bolton, but it's Fulham, so Scott Parker. I mean, he's obviously he's played for England mm-hmm. and he's been in the Premier League for around the Premier League for a long time. So like to be on the same pitch, you're sort of like oh, this guy's played for England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done that. And then best player uh, probably again in the Bolton days against Hull, Al Mohamedy. I mean. He, what he did was just so simple, but it was effective. And but then he could be classed as maybe one of the favourites as well in the ways that there certain things like if I did something well, he was almost like encouraging me. Mm-hmm. So from that side, it was like I'm thinking, wow, like this guy's on the other team. But if I'm doing something well, he's sort of nursing me and saying like, well done. Yeah. Like for me to see that was very good. Do you, do you get much of that on the football pitch? Because I know when when I've watched it, I know I watched like national league football and it's. It's quite aggressive compared to when you look at like championships and like when you was at Bolton. But we like I always see kind of like players swearing at each other, like shoving each other and stuff like that. But is there like, do you find that people do have a good respect for each other? And if like you said, if, if you do something well, do they often like say well done and stuff, or is it kind of like fuck off and get them away? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that was. I've only heard of a few situations where people do like sort of encourage you. I think I remember once, I can't remember, I think when one of my friends was at Lincoln playing against Everton mm-hmm. and Fabian Delph was in centre mid and the lad from Lincoln nailed somebody and mm-hmm. he came over and everyone thought on the screen that he was giving him abuse, but he was saying to him, oh, I fucking love that great tackle and again, something else a proper tackle. Yeah. So obviously it is, majority of it is, I'd imagine, mouthy people, but everybody respects each other. Mm. But it's, very rare that people like compliment each other, especially on the other team. I think you've got to have that kind of like healthy sportsmanship that shows your confidence as well as kind of. I mean, we were um, like last season. I know you've been playing national league now, so you'll be like aware of Woking and stuff like that. And there's um, there was a player called Ben Gerin uh, who who played for Woking, lived in Torquay, um, and used to play for Torquay. And he came to one of the Torquay games um, at the beginning of the season, got in the crowd and started calling all the Torquay fans wankers and all this sort of stuff. Like, it did not go down well. So, um, from every game then on, 
Torquay fans had a chant and we say, oh, Ben, Gareth, I want to know why he's such a cunt, basically. And uh, we played Woking, went, went to this away game and Torquay played Woking. And um, I think we needed like one point to like stay. We were, gonna, we were about to win the league and we needed like one point to stay in the position because it was between us and Woking. Anyway, we were, I think we were 3-2 down um, and Ben Guerin comes over and absolutely classes one of our players and uh, we scored from that free kick. He got sent off and it just, it just, it was the most amazing season. But um, he, he actually, because Woking ended up drawing, was it Watford in the FA Cup last season? And uh, he was on Talk Sport speaking to Troy Deeney. And um, they were just absolutely going at each other. And I remember them arguing on, on Talk Sport about like, who was going to be the better man. And, and I think like it, it's healthy to have that sportsmanship, but also the fans love it. Like As much as all we, we all thought Ben Guerin was a, was a better last season, but when we won the league, it, it was great fun. Like He wished us all the best of luck. Like He started saying, like I've been a talkie lad all my life um, and all these sort of things. Like It's just, just banter. But it was great to see that when we actually lifted the trophy and all our players were spraying champagne, our players were actually chanting the, the Ben Guerin chant. <laughs> and it, it was just great to see it. And I think he, he put something on Facebook just saying, like, great yeah. great work, lads, and, and things like that. So yeah, I think it's good to have that like, yeah, friendly, yeah. friendly banter. All right, so while we're still on the subject of football, like I said, we're talking about National League, the whole coronavirus thing that's going on, Stockport, uh, sort of in the playoffs, we don't know what's what's really happening with it. Like, what would you like to see happen with the with the with the kind of whole situation that's going on? Do you think that the playoffs should go ahead, or they should just call the season quits? It's such a tough one, especially like I mean, um, I play Stockport, who are in the playoffs, whereas I was on loan at Wrexham for the last few games of the season, who are fighting in the relegation. So both teams are instantly going to have different opinions. I believe it went to some sort of vote to decide what's going to happen with the promotion and relegation. Mm-hmm. So obviously Stockport are going to want to see what they can do because Wrexham would more than likely potentially be happy to end the season because they weren't in the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. So then they wouldn't get relegated. But it's a tough one for me because you have to think of the health and safety of everyone. Mm-hmm. So as much as I'd love to say, listen, I'd love to go into the playoffs. I've never done it. It'd be an amazing experience. But then you have to think, at this time with what's going on, is it really worth everybody doing what's doing? And you've seen the German league started back up mm-hmm. last week. Is it worth that happening? Or do we need to just sort of say, right, we'll knock it on the head and we'll start fresh and go again? Exactly. So you've seen it from both sides. Like you said, like Stockport, your team, uh, playoffs, and Wrexham, who you're on loan for, like relegation side. So for you, maybe it would probably be better just to say like... <laughs> Like let's just call it quits, oh, yeah. guys. Like let's knock it on the head. But say for example they said, right, we're gonna go ahead, um, we're gonna play the the final games. I know this is gonna happen now, but just for example, say say they said we're gonna play a few more games, like, but there's not gonna be any fans. How do you think that would impact the game? Like do the do the fans have a huge impact on the players? Like how what do you think? I think certainly in this league, the fans are massive because that is one part of the income teams that don't have as much money and um, some of the atmospheres you do get at normally games are incredible like for teams that some teams who might only bring 20 fans but they'll still have a right go whilst they're there mm-hmm. so on that side of it it would be it would be strange but then 
it's also the competitive edge. I mean, I know mentally people can be like, right, yeah, we're up for the game, but it's a massive difference playing in front of a certain amount of people to going to play nothing. Like, you can hear everything. So it's, it's a strange one. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine playing in an, in an empty ground. I mean, like you said, with the German league playing, I, I don't have BT Sports, so I've been able to watch it, but uh, I've seen clips of it and it was so weird being able to just hear the players. Like you, you, you can't hear, the, like, there's no crowd noise. And it, I think you take it for granted when you actually watch it because, it, I don't know, it was just really strange to watch. And I think it's the fans of what make the football, aren't they? And do you, can you... I've always been interested to know, can footballers hear the fans? Like, if, if, if I'm, like I said, you've played at Torquay a few times, if I'm shouting Tyler's a bellend from, from the Torquay end while you're playing against us, can, can you hear us or do you just kind of drown the noise out? You can. I mean, funny enough, it wasn't Torquay. I could hear people shouting. Like, <laughs> being a fullback, when you go and take throw-ins, yeah. you're right there with the fans or you have to get the ball off them and stuff like that. Yeah. So there's always people saying stuff, but it's... It's one that might like, just laugh it off. It's a bit of banter. Whereas, like, well, it happened. I imagine it happened. It happens anywhere you go. I mean, when I had when I was at Bolton playing against Fulham, and I had bright pink boots on, like, mm. you just hear people saying, "Ah, oh, you puff and stuff like that." <laughs> you, just, you just have to laugh it off. Like, yeah. Sometimes it is generally funny. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Like, you just you're just glad you're not a goalkeeper. You don't have to. You don't have to stand in the away end for not 45 minutes. <laughs> you get abused absolutely nonstop. I mean, I, I've I'll, I'll ask you who you think you're most rowdy club that you've played for is but for me personally like I said we went to when I when I went to watch Doncaster play against Arsenal great set of fans they were unreal fans like I don't know whether that's because they were on all, all on the day out everyone was everyone was pissed up having a great day at, away at the Emirates um, but for me I came to watch one Stockport game um, with you I came to watch it with, with your mum and Chelsea as well and the Stockport, Stockport fans, like, I've never seen anything like They're so rowdy. And um, I know they were just absolutely terrorising one of the lads that was playing on the other team. And um, he ended up scoring and he ran over to the Stockport fans that hold his hands up. <laughs> and I just, I just thought it was amazing how, how the Stockport fans were. But who do you think, like, your... I'll ask you two questions. Who do you think the most rowdy fans are that you played for? And who do you think are... I don't know if it's the same question, the best fans. Who have you, who have you most enjoyed playing in front of? So with the Rowdy, I mean, I'm going to go with, obviously Chelsea's in the crowd every game. So the first game for Wrexham that we went to, she said that you know, another level of rowdiness. And I've heard that, yeah. So I'm going to go with Wrexham for the Rowdy. <laughs> best set of fans. To be honest, I know it's a bit of a cop-out answer, but all the teams I've seen have been at, the fans have been good. Like, whether it's been Doncaster... Bolton, Stockport, Wimbledon, they're all been there. I mean, Wimbledon was, because it was slightly smaller around, but it was always full. Mm. It was a good atmosphere. Like, I mean, they maybe only got five, six thousand, but that was mm -hmm. packed out. So I don't know if I'm allowed to ask you this one. I could definitely ask you this one. What is the best ground you've played at? And then I don't know if you'll answer this one, but what's the worst ground you've played at? <laughs> <laughs> best ground. Fulham's ground was very good. That was purely because it was the last game of the season and the pitch was immaculate. It looked like it was first game of the season. Mm. But then obviously playing against, and was, the stadium wasn't full when it was because it was in the Czech Trade Trophy. We played against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. So mm. that was also another very good, the worst ground. I'll tell you what, Chelsea's not a great ground to sit in as a fan. 
I went I went there to watch the um, what's it called? You know the soccer aid where all the yes. celebrities play. Went there with my dad and my brother, and oh, sitting there it was awful. Everyone sat so close to each yeah, other. Yeah, really old, like old wooden seats and stuff, and they had no food left. Couldn't get any food, anything to drink. So I would, I'll definitely give it a one star on TripAdvisor. <laughs> <laughs> but the worst ground, what, where would you? Worst. I mean, I haven't actually played there, but whenever you see, and everybody says it, if you if you hit Newport away after Christmas, the pitch. I mean, you'll have seen it on TV because they get some good cup games in the mm. FA Cup. They've done quite well to get far and draw big teams so when the game's at Newport if you look at the pitch it just always looks there's no grass it's just dirt I, mean, yeah. I haven't actually played that so yeah. I don't know if that no, no I'll, take, I'll take that one so just while we're on the kind of ground questions where's like your dream ground that you would love to play I know you've, you've played at Chelsea you've played at Arsenal like is there anywhere you would love to play just Wembley I'd, whether it's a playoffs or a cup final or if it happens to be for England or anything like that Wembley would just be yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Like we, we like I said, when when Torquay went there for the playoffs, we went there and Old Trafford. We, I think, we just about filled one block of seats, and that was like the whole of Torquay that went. Like everyone just got their their, their dads, their granddads. Everybody went there, and we only just filled one. So I can only imagine what it'd be like to to see that place packed. Um, that would just be amazing. So we we've touched on what you think is going to happen with the league because of the coronavirus and stuff. Um, I don't know if this is anything to do with the coronavirus, but there's rumours obviously going around about the uh, League Two and the National League being split into the North and South. Like, how realistic do you think that would be, and what would be the pros and cons of it? To be fair, I have seen that. I don't know much about it, but obviously, a massive pro for football fans is the away games that you've got. You've got like, if you're in Carlisle, you're not going to have to travel to Exeter. Mm-hmm. So you haven't got the seven-hour journey, which maybe like nobody likes Exeter and Plymouth and Portsmouth away. Well, that's where I live, but <laughs> so far away. But that would be a massive pro. I mean, the cons, if you like away days like that, then I guess you're going to miss that. But it just depends how realistic of it actually happening. I'm quite interested. I mean, I, I I can't see it happening. I think it is just a rumor at the minute. But I do think if if you ask me this. Six months ago, before I moved up north, before I've moved to Preston, I would have said, great idea. Like, Torquay can have um, home derbies with Exeter, Plymouth. Um, I know we're playing Yeovil and people like that at the minute anyway, but to have all the games kind of within reach and you can go to all your away days and it's, it's great fun. Um, we're not spending stupid money on the, tr- on the travel, hotels and all that sort of thing. So our, our team would have more money. Um, but now I live up here, I'd say don't do it because I'm not going to be able to watch any games because they're, they're all going to be yeah. down south. But um, I think if they, if they were to do it, they would have to give some sort of grant to the smaller teams, or because it, there's no way that like people like Torquay could compete with like people that are fighting for promotion in League Two. Like, it's a, a strange one. So, like, I think there'd have to be a lot of thought. I imagine they'd have to speak to all the teams across those leagues and see. And the players as well, because I mean, like, I mean, I don't know whether it makes any difference to you, but if you're a player that's that's worked your worked your bollocks off to get to like a, a high end League Two team, and then you merge with the National League and you kind of play in the smaller, t- it's almost like you've taken a bit. Would it feel like you've taken a bit of a down step? Like, I've never really thought of it from that side of being a player on the teams you would play. 
I think if it's all still technically the same league, then I, I suppose would you take it as like if you're a top league two team, would you take it as oh well we actually got easier teams as mm. such, so there is more chance of us succeeding. I don't know. I don't know what way you'd sort of look at it. I know. I, th- I mean, like I said, I can't see it happening. However, depending how long the high, like until we're back to normal after the coronavirus, it's like if if these smaller teams go much longer without earning any money, they've still got staff to pay, they've still got the grounds to pay for, like all this. Like, maybe that's going to be the only option because they can't afford to go and play these away days. Like you said, like you're tra- traveling seven hours, hotels, you've got to pay for the coaches, like all this sort of stuff. Like it's a lot of money to spend every week, and and maybe. It's going to be the only option, but I suppose it's one of the things we'll just have to see and, and see what happens. So, obviously, during the, the lockdown, um, during the whole coronavirus outbreak that we we're just talking about, you you started um, streaming online games. I know, obviously, everybody's been missing their football. Nobody's been able to watch anything. So, obviously, you started streaming your FIFA games and stuff like that online, at least giving someone, some people, stuff to watch. Um, do you have any plans to kind of grow that a bit bigger? I know, like, a lot of big footballers and stuff doing a lot of streaming and things like that you've got a lot of spare time on your hands well, yeah. so yeah. what do you plan to do with that i mean i'll definitely keep that going uh, i mean for me when i'm not doing the exercise stuff i'm on the playstation anyway so i thought why not stream it and then it gives a chance i mean at the minute i've got plenty of like stockport fans and wrexham fans and different people from teams that i've been at mm-hmm. who come in and abuse you well <laughs> and also don't abuse me but they did get abused but they come in they're just asking questions about stuff that I've done. So it's nice to sort of interact a bit and like do little giveaways and stuff where mm-hmm. I give people FIFA points or sign shirts and stuff. So it's nice to sort of give back to people who do come in and watch. Yeah, so I suppose it's not just it's not just giving people stuff to watch. It's it's they, you give them a chance to talk to you and kind of get your opinion. I know I've I've been in quite a few of the streams and watched you watched you on there and you, you do address a lot of questions like whether it's about the National League, whether it's about your time at Stockport, Wrexham, Doncaster, Bolton, wherever you've been, is is one of the things that it's a great opportunity for fans to interact with players because I know like a lot of players, whether they're National League or some of them are quite big for their boots and they they don't like to interact with 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 fans and stuff like that. And I I don't like that. I just think like we're all people. Just because you've got an extra thousand followers on Instagram, why does that mean you can't talk to yeah, me? Exactly. But um, yeah, so best of luck with your, with your Twitch stuff. I know you you mentioned also about the coaching and the team you want to set up. Um, have you got any like plans for that? Have you got an idea of what you want to do, or is it just an idea at the minute? Uh, so I am going to do some one to one coaching. I mean, I've set the website up at the minute. Uh, I'm going to start ordering some stuff, like some balls, cones, everything like that. So that'll be that'll be quite professional. I want to keep it so it is almost it gives opportunity for people to be seen. Obviously, I've like to think I've got enough links to maybe get people seen or mm-hmm. watched. And then I was also thinking that I might start an under 13, 14 team around obviously where we live. I just think that that won't be, don't get me wrong, it's only been professional and nice, but it's like some of the kids' football, so it's another opportunity for kids who are younger to get into football if mm-hmm. there's another team around for them. So I like the idea of that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it, you've been through the process, so I guess you know what it takes for, for a young kid. And I like, if you, you've got this team and you see someone special like you might have the links to maybe push them in the direction and stuff like that so if someone was to come and play for your team there's every possibility that they could end up doing the same sort of path you did when you got signed by Bolton because they had links like your your club owners had links to Bolton and stuff like that so it's um it's quite exciting and, and 
definitely worth people looking at and getting involved with. So, like, would you like to maybe? I know, obviously, at the minute it's just early stages, and you're thinking about doing an under 13s team. But if it went well, do you think you would you would look at doing an older older team? Like, would you would you like to go into like managing teams and stuff like that? That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, with the under 13 team, you sort of you stay with that team. So as they go up the ages, you would stay with them. But then, like, say, ultimately, well, I don't know if I'd want to be a manager or a coach. I would. By the looks, there is a lot of stress on managers, so mm-hmm. coaching would be a slightly, I wouldn't say easier, but more of an option where you're not directly in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. But definitely within football, I wouldn't be doing something. something. Yeah. Well, that's if if you've got as much experience in something as you do, it's it's worth it. Like you said, you've been you've been to a lot of clubs, and as as much as sometimes it might be seen as a weakness, it's a massive strength towards you because you've met so many people, you've played with so many players, and you've you've made like such a big network of, of people that you know now. So like, I think, I think you'll never struggle to kind of keep that network going. So I've just got two more questions for you and then we're done. Um, they're quite big questions for me because, well, one of them is because you, you know quite well that I've, I've had like a lot of businesses, um, a lot of failed businesses, things that have flopped. I say failed, I've sold most of them. So I can't yeah. class them exactly as a fail, but they haven't gone very far and I haven't, I haven't blown them up massively. But I was, I was doing an interview yesterday and uh, we were talking about my friends and kind of how they support me and, and the support network and whether people are, are interested in what I'm doing. And I was saying that my Facebook friends list must hate me because you know when you invite someone to like your page, I've got a new page every week that I'm trying to promote and I think people are just fed up with it now. People are like, ah. Oh, it's just another idea, like it's just it's just another here he goes again, like it's just another idea from Jay. Whereas for me, like I don't see it as a weakness, like because I think I failed so many things and I've made so many mistakes that I feel like that's my biggest strength now because I like I feel unstoppable because I've I've made so many mistakes. Now, the point I'm getting at is with you, do you feel like your friends support you? Or do you think have you, have you come across jealousy? Like are there people that like me and you, we, we never really talk about football that much. We have more so now because you've been playing in the National League. Um, obviously, our support team in the National League. So we've got a bit more to talk about because I've never really been a fan of bigger clubs unless you've been, been playing for them. So we've never really had conversations about football. I kind of feel like, from my perspective, that everyone asks you about it. Everybody wants to talk to Tyler about football. Everybody wants to talk to Tyler's mum about football. Like, So when I actually see you... I try and like avoid that because I'm like you talk about it all the time. He doesn't care. But do you like talking about it? And do many of your friends ask about it? Uh, I don't mind it. Like, obviously, if you haven't spoken to someone for a while, then you'll have a catch up. Obviously, we live around the corner from each other, so we see each other all the time, or we're constantly speaking. So it's nice for somebody who's not constantly like, "What are you doing? What's this to do with football? What's this? What's that? What's mm-hmm. this?" So that like, even. Just little things when we're just sat on PlayStation messing around or if we're just whatever we're doing. It's never football related really. I don't get me wrong, like you say, you're still speaking now and again about it. Mm-hmm. But you're you're updated quite regularly on it anyway, so like you said, that's why we probably don't speak about it as mm-hmm. much because you know what's going on, like you and the loop, like I said, you're around the corner, so mm-hmm. it's not not a lot. Big question now, and I'm gonna ask everybody this question. I've hired a people carrier for the day. We've got seven seats. I'm driving, you're passenger, 
We've got five seats. Who is going to fill them five seats and where are we going to go? Great question. And why? Is this going to be ranked? Are you going to rank everybody who does this? From your side, what you think is the best answer? No, because everybody's got their own opinions. Okay. But I'm, I'm interested wow. to see why you would choose them people and where would you go? We'll start with the people first, and that might help me. Dead or alive, could be anyone you want. Okay, and this might help me to where we could go. So I'm thinking it's a seven seat or so. I'm interested now. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, if we've got to have somebody who's going to pull jokes, I can. We could go with. We'll go with Michael McIntyre. Mm. He's really one. He's going to keep us laughing, surely. Yeah. Uh, let's bring along Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Top athlete, someone you look up to as an athlete. Yeah. Go and you might get along with McIntyre, you never know. Never know. Uh, <laughs> I can't see that happening. Ronaldo, uh, Michael McIntyre. We're going to go Gordon Ramsay as well. Great choice, yeah. Just because I think he's funny. I want to bring another comedian on. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to take? I'm going to take Lee Evans. Lee Evans, yeah. Okay. He does sweat a lot, but. quite <laughs> funny. One more, come on. Pull it out of the bag. That's singer. I know who I would take if I was going to take a singer. Do we want Dornham to sing all the time? Like, is that... No, he wouldn't sing. He would just be there for the... In fact, I could get rid of both the comedians and just take this singer. Who do you reckon I'm thinking of? Fat Scottish one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll bring him along. Lewis Capaldi? Yeah, we'll bring him. So yeah. The five, so we've got... Lewis Capaldi, Cristiano Ronaldo. Lewis Capaldi, Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay, <laughs> Michael McIntyre, and Lee Evans. And our destination is going to be, we're going to throw it back to when me and you first went on holiday. Yeah. We're going to go to Ibiza. Ibiza. With them five boys. So we're going to go Ibiza in a people carrier. Yeah, that's why we've got the comedians. With Ronaldo, yeah. Louis Capaldi, Michael McIntyre, Lee Evans, yeah. Gordon Ramsay. and Gordon Ramsay. Ronaldo's going to hate us, right? Yeah, I feel like he's going to be a bit uncomfortable. He's not going to be drinking, though. Yeah, Ronaldo, we're going to be together. Fair enough. Time. It's been a pleasure, mate. Finally got to get all this football chat out, so I won't talk to you about it any longer. But um, thank you very much.